Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO. Broadcasting to you from the best little city in America. We're going to spend the next couple hours here on the show engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local news and politics, national news and politics. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, feminine hygiene products. Indeed we are. And we're going to talk about living in the great outdoors. Uber producer Dan Peters is here today. Dan and I will be taking you up through 5 o'clock. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio, streamed live on KSOO.com or on the new, the brand new KSOO mobile app that is available in your various platforms for iOS, that's your Apple, of course, or the Android, if you're running that. Find it wherever you get your apps. Remember also, you can always follow us along on Facebook Live or our Twitter account, at Pilali Show, at Pilali Show. That's where you find Mr. Dan Peters updating you, giving you the links and all the things you need to get through your day. Dan's over there busily working the system. You are really loving your lower register here, I'm thinking. <laughs> this is day three of the Barry White edition of the Patrick Lally Show. Yeah, it's just, it's going lower and lower, lower and lower. And I, I, you know, I originally on day one, which was Wednesday, I was sort of blaming some vigorous singing that had maybe strained the vocal cords. That is clearly not the case. This is clearly some sort of an affliction that I'm experiencing. Yeah, hopefully by Monday you're not going a boom pop a boom pop a mow mow. That might be good. I can try that. Boom pop boom pop boom pop a mow mow. Hey! Oh, look at that! That was I mean wasn't in tune, but it was close. Um, I was, uh, last night had a great time. Oh, by the way, you know, the other thing I want to mention, and I keep forgetting to tell people this, if you're running the Alexi, the Alexis, Alexa, Alexa, is that yes. what it's called? The Alexa? Alexa. Yes. You can, uh, you can just say, Alexa, play KSOO and it'll pop right up there. Wouldn't that be cool? Now I might have to get me an Alexa. Alexa, play KSOO. I'm trying to turn on everybody's Alexa out there. Now, I don't know about the Google one. The, I don't remember what that one's called. I guess OK Google. OK Google? I think so, yes. Okay. Well, I think that one would probably work, too. Google Google tends to be adaptive to those sorts of things. So if you've got one of those things, you can use it for this, for this show. So there you go. Last night, I, uh, I had a great time last night. It was the, the bike summit, and I was telling you about that through the week, and uh, we had about 150 people come down to the Icon Lounge last night, which was pretty good turnout for the FAB, Falls Area Bicycling Annual Meeting and Party, and also the RASDAQ Route Announcement, which is the ride across South Dakota, and uh, a lot of, really, we had a good time, and, uh, you know, it was great to see so many people that I know and uh, hang out with them. There was, in fact, frivolity. And dancing. I danced. Ooh. You can dance if you want to. You can dance if you want to. There's another good one. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Now I can leave your friends behind. Leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they they don't don't dance, dance, well, there are no friends friends of mine. Outstanding. This is going to be a great show. 
Uh, a special thanks, though, to Chris and Shannon Parsley. Uh, they uh, have been on the board of FAB for like four or five years now. I can't even remember. And uh, Chris was president, Shannon was secretary, and they did a great job. And uh, we got to thank them for their service to the club last night. But uh, the other big news, there were a lot of other, like, organizations there, rides, bike shops. It was really cool to see everybody come out for the big event. And it was kind of cold, you know, but everybody came out anyway because they wanted to find out where Razdak is going. Where's Razdak going? What cities are we going to? What's going to happen? Well, the first thing was Razdak generally goes west to east. This year they're going east to west, starting in Flandreau. And DeSmet, Miller, Pier, Union Center, Belforche, also known as Belfouche, and Hewlett, Wyoming. I think that's the town right across the Wyoming border there. Hewlett. Yep, Hewlett, Wyoming. That's quite a ride. Ooh, that brings up the Bob Seeger against the wind. Yeah. Because you go east to west, <laughs> you're like, taking some chances. Seems like it's risky, but, you know, I, a lot of that's good riding. Um, I think pier to union center uh that might be kind of a challenging day and then union center to belforte that's that's long ways i don't know but uh, they everybody is very happy and excited about the ride and you know the fact of the matter is that kids do it there's 12 year old girl last year that rode the entire thing so there you go it's possible uh we've got a great show for you today our guests include mayoral candidate david zakaitis the Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends. Thea Miller-Ryan, Executive Director of the Outdoor Campus, will make her weekly appearance. And she's bringing along Jen Nuncio from the Good Earth State Park at Blood Run, one of my favorite places in the world. Carmen Toft will be here to tell us about the what I mentioned earlier, the Feminine Hygiene Products Drive. That's for the banquet. It's a, it's a great, great event, and she'll give us the details on that. And I will have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, I... I really, what do you think it's going to be? It's going to be Trump language, a little bit of Neil Tapio. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. It's <laughs> got to, I can't let that pass. So that's what we'll be talking about next. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Ah, yes, we're going to get a little closer to free here on the PL statement on the Patrick Lally Show. This is when we uh, look through the news and find the things that uh, attract us, anger us, make us happy, inspire us, all those good things. You know, it's been, it's been kind of a tough week on the PL statement, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been hard to be optimistic. I try, I, you know, I try to be a happy person. I really do. But then you have things like today. And obviously, this is getting a lot of play across the country. Um, you heard it at the news at the top of the hour. You've probably watched it on CNN, read in the papers, all the good stuff about Donald Trump's vulgarity in this meeting. And I just learned something new from the top of the hour news from ABC that Lindsey Graham actually called him out during this meeting, which, you know, good on Lindsey Graham. 
So the president said what he said, and I can't repeat it here, about certain countries in the world. And that's, you know, okay, you, you don't like parts of Central America or Africa. And, you know, certainly they got their problems. I have a friend living in El Salvador who's Salvadoran. He's a great guy. And it's an awful place in a lot of ways. There's teachers teachers being killed by the cartels because they uh, disciplined the child of some cartel member, gets shot in his home. And my friend's a teacher, and I worry about him. So yeah, El Salvador's got problems. A lot of countries got problems. We got problems. And I don't know if these are the president's true feelings about the people who live there. But the problem is that when he does this, he sounds stupid. And he sounds racist because he invoked Norway. Why don't we want more people from Norway? Well, they aren't going to come here. Norway's great. Scandinavia is fantastic. Denmark, Sweden. People want to live there. Why would they come here? So I don't know if these are, if this is the, what's in his heart or not. I don't know what's in Donald, Hart, Donald Trump's heart. I don't know if he just says these things because it's part of the way he grew up. I have no idea. But everything he, every time he does something monumentally stupid like this, it's another piece of evidence that suggests he holds this animosity towards non-white people, toward people who aren't like him. And that's too bad. It's not who we are or rather, not who we should be. We need to aspire to be better, not hurtling into some sort of regressive state of paranoia and hate. You, don't, you just don't say these things as president. It feeds the worst part of our nature and, that, and then expresses itself in a blatant racist acts of violence that you see in the world, in outward, outward bigotry of religion. We see it every day in this country, and we see it playing out in our state capital in the guise of Neil Tapio. Yes, I've been talking about Neil Tapio all week because I think it's important. We cannot let these attacks on human rights and civil rights pass without comment and debate. That would be wrong. So good on Lindsey Graham. It's not always easy to take a stand in the public arena and worry about what others might think of you, but this is the expression of an ideal, a uniquely American ideal. And I say this all the time. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I referenced that passage from the Declaration of Independence, as I recall it, on the first day of this show back in June, and I continue to refer to it as a guiding force for not just public policy, policy but personal behavior. It's vital for citizens of this country to take a deep examination of their own personal belief systems and this state of South Dakota. Just what do you believe? For me, it starts with those words by Thomas Jefferson and folds back into the philosophy of the, of the Enlightenment. It sounds pretentious when I say it. I know that. But if it was that important to the people who fought and died to establish this country against all odds, then it remains true for us today. And if you apply that fundamental principle to the actions and words of Donald Trump and Neil Tapio, you are left with no other conclusion than their words and behavior, if not in their hearts, are counter to the principles of American democracy. 
And you know, it's it's kind of a cliche to invoke our European ancestors when we have this debate, but it's true. And for me, you know, it's always been about being an Irishman, I'm other Northern European sex as well. But I got an Irish name and I grew up in an Irish neighborhood and I feel that. I still feel that. And there's this great song by the Pogues called Thousands Are Sailing. And I thought about it today, so I'm going to play just a little about it. I'm going to play this in the background. See if we can make this work here. It's one of my favorite songs because it represents to me the immigrant experience in a lot of ways. And if you don't know it, look it up. It's called Thousands Are Sailing by the Pogues. And you probably won't be able to hear all of it here. But. You know, it's it's a story about a guy coming across and leaving behind everything he'd ever known just for hope. And finding bigotry and hardship and prevailing somehow. But never forgetting who he was, you know, because you can't. And I need to be very clear about a very important point. I'm not judging the Republican Party or conservatism because I don't believe that what Trump and Tapio espouse, what they say, has anything to do with the Republican Party or conservatism. Bigotry was not part of Abraham Lincoln's purpose. He wasn't a perfect man. But what he did was a beautiful moment. It recognized the basic human rights of every person. What awaits our country and our state on the other side of this debate? I don't know. Immigration is a fine debate. It's a good debate. We need to talk about these things. We need immigration in this state. And I say that over and over. But I do know that if we turn to a militaristic, xenophobic, and exclusionary vision, that we won't survive in any form, any ideal that we ever espoused. Hope for the world lies in, to me, compassion and freedom and the free exchange of ideals. I mean, at some measure, that's the core of religion, of faith. Those are the lessons of the 19th and 20th centuries. The war, the pestilence, the poverty. 
turning back now has a violent and predictable end. Be good to each other, please. In the words of the prophet, love thy neighbor as thyself. And remember, we all came from somewhere. Unless you're Native American, we all came from somewhere. on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring in the Buffalo Maiden for Weird Friends from the Black Hills Bureau to the tones of America, Sister Golden Hair, as we always do. Buffalo Maiden, I, I, it was so great to see you last weekend. I was very happy you could be here. Now, now I kind of miss you. Well, uh, it was so great to see you, but uh, from the sound of your voice, thank you for giving me my cold. <laughs> uh, I think it's all that riding on that bicycle that gets you, you know, that's what your mother would say. Yeah, you know. You're not wearing a hat when you you're know, riding your bicycle. Why'd you go out without your coat? All that kind of stuff. No, I I'm, know. I'm fine. I, I don't think... This is a horrible cold going on, but... Um, it was fun. It was nice to be in Sioux Falls, except it was, what was it, like 500 below there, and it was 45 and 50 degrees in the Black Hills. Yeah. Is it better there now when you got back? Is it still warm? It was warm. Uh, it was 55, uh, and then we dropped to, what, like 12 degrees, and now we're back up to 20. So we're up and down. It is cold. Um, we, it was icy is what uh, we got. We didn't get any snow. We got ice. 55, though. Oh, my God. 55. I know. You could have been out here because now, you know, they have some, they just announced today the fat bike trails are open in the northern hills. Really? Did you know this? I don't. The, the Black Hills National Forest, actually, with some volunteers, have uh, created uh, fat tire trails. Oh, well, that's, that's pretty exciting. See? Things are looking up. Yeah. I, maybe I could just do the show from the Black Hills. Do you think, that, you think uh, my friends at KSO would let me do that? I think so. I think you should branch out. We used to have a radio station here. We got a tower somewhere. You know, there's, a, there's a building. <laughs> they mothballed the radio station? You could do it. You could branch out. Well, let's think about that. We could at least do like, you know, a week, the, like the Black Hills week. Yeah. On the pad- Dan and okay, I will come Okay, here's what you need to do. This is what you absolutely need to do as a public servant uh, service to the state of South Dakota. You need to be here next Friday and Saturday. Saturday is the fifth annual 
Bark Beetle Blues in Custer, South Dakota. And if you have never witnessed it, you have got to come witness it. We are talking about a huge, gigantic, enormous uh, burning beetle that <laughs> is, it's, it's the biggest float ever, but we, we perch it, uh, they put it on top of all of everybody's Christmas trees. So there's this huge pile of Christmas trees up on Pageant Hill, of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to talk about the pageant, no. but uh, and this beetle, and then the the townspeople bring burning torches and they torch the beetle. <laughs> I think and I remember. The, I think I remember oh, you telling me about this last year, and I just missed it. Like I was there, but oh, I missed yeah, that weekend. You did. That? You I, gotta come out. I mean, that's just craziness. And then every uh, place that's open that uh, downtown will have live music and food and. It's fun, and people come from all over, and it's just the most amazing event. You know, that's what we should go out for. Dan, do you, you think we you can... Just a second, i got to get Dan Peters in on this. Do you think we could just take the show out to Custer? Well, you could take the show out to Custer. I could stay back here, and oh. I could help run the controls. I was yeah. trying to get you a little time off in, out in the hills, man, but if you want to stay here, that'd yeah. be fine. Come on, I got a, I got a camper. Of course, it's winterized, but, you know, it's not <laughs> that cold out, so you guys would you would be fine in it. It would be tempting. Uh, Tenting? We, uh, you know what? It, this this story is going to hit major. It's going to be on some major radio station. You guys are going to be far behind. The images that you could put out oh, mm-hmm. on Facebook um, are going to be crazy. But the other thing about it, too, is uh, they're looking for, uh, they're going to keep going with us. You know, we don't have the Beatles anymore. Or, well, we do, but not uh, to that extent. But now they want to do an art installation. I, I swear we're trying to be like Sioux Falls. <laughs> but... Um, they want to have, they put it out there. So if you're an artist, they're, they're looking for a permanent art installation for an outdoor, and you can go to their Facebook, the Bark Beetle Blues, and, and sign up or apply or whatever you have to do um, to do some kind of beetle commemorating the beetle. Like, what if we're going to have some, like, gnarly, I mean, the beetle's not pretty. So we're going to have this, like, in our on our main street, scaring oh young God. children when they come in the summertime. That's perfect. Like, what are we doing here? you got to bring in Ringo Starr. That's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> i got to start right. going to the meetings I'm invited to. Is what I gotta <laughs> you got to get some voice of reason into this soon. i got to get off the radio and go to these meetings. Yeah. So Anyways. that's when again? It's next Saturday. It's the 20th. It starts, uh, there's a talent show, which I'm sure if you brought the tuba, you know, I have we could a, get you in that. T- yeah, I have the tuba in the car, actually. I haven't even announced this yet, but I'm doing a, uh, a fundraiser oh. for the symphony where they bring oh. like leaders in business, which I'm not a leader and I'm not in business, but they want me to do it anyway. And it's a fundraiser and you do five minutes of whatever talent you got. I said, okay, I don't know what it's going to be, but it will involve the tuba and storytelling. Oh, so there you go. I would just stick to the tuba. I've heard you tell stories. <laughs> so hey, well, you've heard me play do. the tuba too, so that's not so good. Right. So uh, the lesser of two evils. <laughs> I would listen to the tuba. I think, especially well, the, now hearing your voice. Yeah, good. they're going to regret. Goodness. They're definitely going to regret this. Um, so you know, there's one other thing though I wanted to talk to you about. By the way, before I let you go, uh-huh. um, okay. I've been going off on the immigration thing. You know, I kind of been losing my brain. Oh. And I always I, remember. I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know, I always remember how vital uh, the the visa programs are to the economy of the Black Hills. Oh, yeah, hands down, uh, we is so vital and so important and so necessary. And not only that, it's such a 
fulfilling experience to be a part of. Um, I, these are uh, young men and women that come and, and work. Yes, they work, and, but they, the cultural exchange that we uh, give back and forth to each other is just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's unforgettable. It's um, a lifelong experience, and I just, I just cringe um, wondering, you know, what's going to happen this year. It's not only just for the, for the good of our business. We, I am a small restaurant, and we still employ five to seven um, international students or uh, young people uh, every summer, which I cannot find locally. When, you, when, you're, uh, when your community only has 1,800 people and the majority, you know, are older, mm-hmm. um, we need these people to come and, and work with us. Uh, but, the, but what they give back in exchange for, uh, for the work that they do is, is incredible. Yeah, and there's personalities. hundreds of people working across the Black Hills during the summer, right? I mean, it's a lot of people. Oh, gosh, no, it's like 10,000, I believe. Oh, my God, that's a lot. Yeah, I it's remember, amazing. How uh, many? Mm-hmm. I remember talking to the uh, gentleman who owns it's called the Rocket Inn, right? Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, he was like, I, I, we, can't, we, all, we can't operate without them because he can't find anybody to do the housekeeping work. Well, and remember last week when we discussed how uh, outstanding a uh, donut is from Wall Drug? Well, Wall Drug wouldn't have donuts. Wall Drug couldn't survive without. I mean, yeah. talk about another community that doesn't have anybody to employ. Right. You know, you, you employ as many as you possibly can. But if we don't do, if we can't encourage this, and I just got a, a, a statement today um, from the Black Hills uh, Tourism, they're looking for more input. Uh, Senator Rounds is finally starting to listen, I believe, to the importance of this. Uh, so they're, they're gathering, you know, how many people, how many, you know, employees. Well, they have all that information. They know where it is. Yeah. Well, they're but now they from, just want some more input. Well, they come from all those uh, blank hole countries, so, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Buffalo Maiden, thank you very much for uh, uh, checking in with us. And I may come out next week for the thing. You should, and you could stay at the Rocket because they're open. Yeah. And I'll just put your name, I'll just put your reservation under Barry White. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, have a good See you next week. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk to Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus, and she is brought with her a uh, Jen Nuncio, who's from the Good Earth State Park. So that's coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 344 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we need to, you know, kind of bring the mood down a little bit, soothe us out a little bit. We're going to talk about nature. Nature. One of my favorite topics. That's Jason Isbell, When We Were Vampires. And it's not about vampires. It's okay. It's a nice song. Um, we are joined, uh, as always, at this time on Fridays by Thea Miller-Ryan with the Outdoor Campus. And she has brought with her Jen Nuncio. Nuncio. I got that right? You did. Oh, uh, yeah. That's because Thea always sends me pronunciations because she, she feels bad for me. <laughs> Um, but uh, you're uh, you're with you're the park naturalist at the Good Earth State Park. Now, to me, that sounds like the greatest job in the world. It is the greatest job in the world. You get to spend your time out in nature and having fun with people and families. How do you be? How does one become the park naturalist, Jen? Lots of work and lots of nature passion. Um, you have to want to be outside, and you have to want to know everything you can about your surroundings and the history of your world. Um, and now, Good Earth, as Thea points out to me and I, we've talked about, is the first state park, new state park in South Dakota in 40 years. 
And it is an amazing place. It is. We opened up on May 17th of this year. Um, we've had almost 30,000 people come through the visitor center since, um, and it's been well received by Sioux Falls and surrounding areas. Yeah, so the visitor center opened in May. Yes. But the park had sort of been open for a, a year or two, something like it that? It had become a state park in 2013. Yeah. And since then, we've been um, constructing trails and the visitor center so that people can come out and enjoy. And what's really cool about what you've done out there is the interpretive uh historic interpretive stuff it's just amazing absolutely we're interpreting a time period that most people don't know about from about 1500 to about 1700 there was up to 10,000 people living in that site they were um, farmers they grew corns beans and squash they traded up and down the big sioux river with people that came through and they also um, controlled the pipestone quarries up in pipestone minnesota so it was a huge trading area one of the largest settlements of the oneota culture and say that say the the name of the culture again oneota oneota okay and I always forget that. I always say yeah, there were people here before the Sioux tribes. And sure. They were the uh, name I can't remember, but it's Oneota. Oneota. Because I've been out there and read all the stuff. And the visitor center is cool. You've got like a little theater in there, right? All we do. We have a 39-person theater that shows a 20-minute film that was made specifically for the park. It tells the story of a grandfather telling his grandchildren about why that place is so important. And we also have an exhibit done by Split Rock Studios that you can go through and travel back in time from the archaeology through a whole daily life of what it was like to live at that during that time period. Um, before we get into some of the specifics of, of what's going on out at the Good Earth, uh, uh, Thea, what does that, I mean, you've been with state parks. You work for GF&P, Game Fish and Parks Department, right? Yeah. It's all part of the same years. department. It 24 is. years. Yeah. Um, how, you know, what's it mean to the system to bring this big of a state park and an expanding state park into the system? It's a huge deal. I mean, to, to have the first uh, state park in 40 years, first of all, is incredible. And, uh, you know, this is a huge area. Um, some people like to think of it as the Custer State Park of the east side of the state. That's it's, fair. It's that significant. Um so you've got uh, the theater and the visitor center, but you do a lot of activities out there. We do. We've got something going every weekend throughout the whole year. Um, and then in the summer, we really beef up our program, and we have something um, planned every day this summer from May until September. So we're very excited for that. Um, we get lots of people out, all ages, from little toddlers all the way up to we have a senior um, hour every month as well. We have special speakers come in and talk. So we're hitting everybody that we can do. So what's coming up? Are you, but you do do stuff in the winter. You we like, do. Uh, uh, stars and moonwalks and stuff like that. What's yeah. what's coming up that I can go to? Um, this weekend we're doing STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math with kids. So we're doing a lot of um, winter STEM, and we've also got a, a, an Oneota STEM project that we're going to do. We're excited for that. On Tuesday night, we have Marty DeWitt coming out to do a talk on his photography in Alaska. That's an evening program, and it's our, be our first one that we're going to actually hold in the theater. So we're really excited for that. That's real cool. When is yeah. that? That's Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Okay. Out at the park. Yep. Uh, you should, we should tell people how to get there because I think sure. there's sort of a, a, a vague notion that it's somewhere over by Iowa. Sure. Oh, it is very close to Iowa. Yes. Yep. But if you take Highway 11 South and then you'll turn on 260th, just past the Franklin Motors, and then we're just around the corner on 480th Street, yeah. five miles from downtown Sioux Falls. So it's uh, right. And the way a lot of people may know it is it's uh, basically adjacent to the Spring Creek Golf Course. Yep. Which someday, someday will is be actually part. be part yep. of Gooder State Park. It How will. much is that going to add to the park? We're going to add another 200 acres. Wow. With that. Yep. And we'll, in, we'll turn it back to um, Native Prairie and Tall Grass and then also add some tr- hiking trails along the way to connect the park. So you can't just uh, let those uh, greens and fairways just go? No, that there's going to be a work. lot of work involved in taking those greens out. Yeah, I had no idea, but 
we're excited for it. That's amazing. So yeah. what's the timeline for that? Do you know? Um, another seven to eight years before we take over and then start turning it back over to the native way. So it'll be like one day the whole thing will flip over to your control and then you'll start yep, working. Yep, and then we will start. So we're right. talking about probably 10 years before people are actually able to go in there? Sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we'll be able to walk the trails, I'm sure, probably a year after we take over. But, yep, nothing but trails and more trails. And that will bring the whole thing to what square footage? Oh, then we'll be up to 800, almost 1,000 square foot. Wow. And, it, and if fair. people haven't been out there, this is right on the Big Sioux River. It and is. so it's woods and hills, and it's the kind of terrain that we have precious little of around sure. here. Yep. It has tall grass prairie and forest and river. We've got it all down at Good Earth. It's really great. It's also a great place to run. Yes. There's a lot of runners <laughs> yes, out there. Yes, there are a lot there? of runners out there. Um, but you don't have to run. You just walk around. It's beautiful. Yep. Um, so what else is planned for the, the park other than the expansion there? Other services or anything that's going to happen at Good Earth? We're going to be building an amphitheater here um, late spring into the summer. Oh, cool. Which will be great. We're going to do some more outdoor programming there. Um, and then also we're working on a playground, a playscape that we're going to incorporate a lot of nature aspects for kids to play with. So we're excited for that. That's nice. Yeah. That's neat. Um, do you get involved at all with Good Earth with the outdoor campus? Are you guys, do you work synergistically, Thea? Um, you know, we do. And we're actually working on, working together more often even. Um, in the beginning, we did a few programs out there before Jen couple years before Jen was hired and uh, they had some temporary naturalists out there and we've done some programs featuring them at the outdoor campus too so yeah we're gonna work together in as many ways as we can we're really excited about it what's the mission what's the goal I mean why why does good earth why does outdoor campus exist within the game fish and parks department we want to connect people back to nature and into nature. We want to educate them. We want to get them excited. We want them to be our friends and our advocates for our outdoor activities that we have. Yeah, and there's a lot of wildlife in there too. Oh, yes, there? absolutely. Deer and turkey, and we have some minks and um, bald eagles. Yeah. Oh, you see a lot of eagles. Yeah, we do. For whatever reason, they like to fly. During the migratory, they follow the geese. Mm -hmm. They like to fly that corridor, mm -hmm. and you see just tons and tons of them yep. out there. It's really cool. We've got them out there. Do you have any nesting pairs yet? We haven't found a nest within the park yet. I think there might be one just south of the park, but not in the park itself yet. And we've been talking about the South Dakota side a lot, but I went on a bike ride not so long ago over to Gitche Manitou, mm -hmm. and then the Blood Run, which it used to be called Blood Run, so it's mm -hmm. Good Earth at Blood Run. Yeah. Uh, they're Going to do stuff on that side too, right? They're trying. They have 200 acres pre preserved right now. Um, they're trying to get their master plan up and running and so that we can connect and be a two-state state park. Yeah, we come wanna, on, Iowa. We want a walking bridge to connect the two. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, and I that's, that uh, the Blood Run site there is actually pretty cool the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see there's, there was an old rail line or something yeah. in there, right? And you can see where that bridge is going to be. Yeah. Uh, it just It's going to be wonderful and there's cool trails in there now sure yep you can walk the iowa side and go go along the, the blood run creek that's there and see the pitted boulder absolutely yeah and i still at Gitchy manitou that was the first time i've been there because i'm still i'm still scared so this will be good to take over that area and sort of rebrand sure. it all right yep cool absolutely. uh well thea miller ryan from the outdoor campus and jen nuncio from the good earth state park one of the best places around here they're both great places but good earth is awesome Thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks and, for uh, having us. If people want more information on those programs, where do they go? They can go to the um, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks website and check us out there. Awesome. 
Thank you very much for being here, ladies. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Coming up after the news with Dan Peters and the weather, we're going to talk with Carmen Toft, who's representing the banquet on their Feminine Hygiene Drive, and then David Sakaitis, who's a candidate for mayor, will be in. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar! Three fifty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. The Clash, know your rights. From the Combat Rock album, circa nineteen. You have a right not to be killed, which is kind right. of a little bit more of a blunt way of saying yes. life, liberty, and the, and the pursuit. pursuit of happiness. See how he gets that? That guy, that Dan. He's always paying attention. You have the right to food money. It's good stuff. Hey, speaking of uh, public service announcements, February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, that's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Winterfest of Wheels at the Sioux Falls Convention Center, an indoor car show featuring cars, motorcycles, and trucks. These are unique premier vehicles seen in movie, on TV, and in magazines. Ditch, Ditch your man room, raffles, and more. Proceeds benefit Cure Kids Cancer, 5 to 10 p.m. Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday, and 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sunday. Tickets are $11, $12. I'm sorry, $11, and kids 12 and under are free. Take the kids out to see the cool cars in the winter. I remember doing those kinds. Of, well, maybe it wasn't the same show, but there used to be car shows every winter. And uh, we would go out to them, and they were, they were awesome. Hey, coming up on the show, after the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk with Carmen Toft. She's representing the banquet today, and they have the big uh, uh, drive to gather feminine hygiene products for people, for uh, clients of the banquet. And we will talk to David Zakaitis, who is a candidate for mayor in Sioux Falls. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. on the Patrick Lally Show, Jam Town Call Malice to introduce our friend, Carmen Toft. And I'm going to warn you people, I'm going to warn you right now, we're going to be talking about feminine hygiene products. So if for whatever reason this makes you queasy, just hang in there, all right? 
This is an important, it's an important thing. And Carmen is here to tell us about a drive that's going on to help out folks at the banquet. Carmen, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, don't don't be scared. Nobody panic. Uh, we're gonna, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Gonna we're going to be talking about feminine hygiene. That's right. We're gonna, so we, the, for the this is the sixth year mm-hmm. that you've done this. Tell us about the feminine hygiene products drive for the banquet. We we uh, it actually started at Katrina Lair McKinney. It started in her home uh, a couple years previous to that, and then in 2013 we moved it to the National Day of Service in response to MLK Day and asking what can you how can you serve your community? What need is not being met? And we knew that this was something that um, few other groups do, and um, the it was a need that the banquet had, and so it was something that we could get together, invite our friends. We all buy them anyway. So why not pick up an extra one and bring it all together? And it's really grown into this amazing, really fun, really inspirational and interesting. And we've managed to, last year, we had over 23,000 individual products. And we've stocked the banquet for a full year. That's impressive. that's really exciting. So now, full disclosure, I'm a man. Yeah. Um, And so... But I can still help, right? Absolutely. I can. I can. Your get dollars up. work just as well. Right. Some would say better than ours. <laughs> so if you wanted to pick, well, some, yours is only worth seventy percent of mine. So <laughs> uh, if you would like to use um, some of your dollars, you can purchase these items as well. Um, we are taking. Tell me what I should buy. Um, so there's maxi pads, and um, we are accepting tampons this year. As um, the the banquet said, normally we don't. Um, encourage those as they, um, there's a risk for toxic, toxic shock syndrome, but they are getting younger women who are requesting them. I see. And so they want to meet those needs as well. So tampons, uh, maxi pads, and liners, which is great. And some people will say, oh, I just went through menopause. I have this unopened package. Can I bring that? Absolutely. Whatever you have, um, we'd be happy to take. And then if you just are listening, but you're not in the Sioux Falls area and you still want to help, you can either hold a drive in your community or you can um, donate directly to the banquet um, for their needs fund. And how would I do that? If I want to directly, if, I, if I'm like, okay, I want to help, mm-hmm. I could go into Lewis and buy, you know, maxi pads, tampons, and liners. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. But I want to help. Where do I send the money? <laughs> you would go to the banquet website, and there is a donate now area on their website, and you can just send that cash right there. That's awesome. But this isn't just okay. Let's. This isn't just show up and drop off your products. This mm-hmm. is a whole. We're a having whole, a little party. You're having a party. Absolutely. So it is at Prairie Berry East Bank on Monday from 4 to 7. They open, um, especially for this event, because we're usually closed on Mondays. Um, So we're really grateful to them. Thanks, Prairie Berry. And we are going to have some opening remarks. And then Madeline from the banquet is going to talk about the need and the the need that we meet in the community and tell some stories about the guests at the banquet, whether it's um, dads or husbands who ask about products while they're – at the meal because their wife or daughter could not attend because they don't have any supplies or a mother and daughter who walked down from Whittier after school to get some supplies. And if, uh, as if middle school isn't horrible enough (laughs) that you have, you like, this is a, this is something that you take for granted. Um, and that not having supplies readily at home, um, would be equally as devastating. And so, um, they serve 
all of those different groups. So that's on Monday from four to seven yes. and there's social hour and all that. And yes. that, but on Saturday, uh, Prairie Berry East Bank uh, also hosting Craft Beer and Bingo. Craft Beer and Bingo. It's a fun, free event that we host uh, one, usually once a month. And we take a free will donation and it gets sent out to different nonprofits in the community. And the um, money raised on Saturday will be going to the Feminine Hygiene Product Drive. Outstanding. I'm just going to read these because it's important to give everybody credit. Oh, right? Thank you. I appreciate it. This that. is a community event. Mm-hmm. We're going to give people credit for helping out. Partnering organizations include Downtown Sioux Falls, Fresh Produce, Sioux Falls Up and Coming, Sioux Falls, Sioux Empire Rockabetties, Prairie Berry East Bank, Sioux Falls Roller Dolls, and new this year, Lead South Dakota, which Lead South Dakota, of course, is? Is my organization, uh, which is Leaders Engaged and Determined. There you go. Um, and so in the I saw this too. In the past five years, the collective group has donated more than 70,600 individually wrapped items to the banquet. Yes. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot. From just a uh, starting something in your home and inviting some friends and having some wine, and yeah. now we're, we're taking the community by storm. We should pre- probably step back and give a, a big shout-out to Katrina Lair McKenney for starting this. She Yes. And Absolutely. she's she's well known as she a, is a force to be reckoned with. Yes. I, I don't know how she does it all, but but she's uh, all she's very much behind the uh, All Saints Neighborhood mm-hmm. Association. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Day of Service event co-chair. So very much thanks to her. So uh, what else should I know about the the banquet and this event? Anything? And if I want more information to get all this stuff, the schedule's on Facebook. The schedule's on Facebook. Just start typing Feminine Hygiene Product Drive. We made it very hard to spell. It's a very long, cumbersome name. Um, next year, we're working on something a little that rolls off the tongue. It's a little snappier. And if you start getting weird Google ads, just, <laughs> That's just fine. deal it's totally with it. Fine. <laughs> just deal with it. It's going to be all right. Uh, Carmen Toft, she is representing the banquet here today and the Feminine Hygiene Products Drive is Monday on the Day of Service, which is Martin Luther King Day, 4 to 7, Prairie Berry East Bank. Look up the banquet if you want to help in any other way. It's a great organization. Carmen, thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Coming up next, he's already sitting here in the studio, David Zakaitis. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls. We're going to have a fun discussion about David's Thoughts and vision for the city of Sioux Falls. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 416 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we have in the studio with us today the uh, latest in our ongoing series of interviews with the mayoral candidates for the April 10th election and I believe, David Zakaitis, that you are our eighth. Not because your name starts with Z. It just worked out that way. But thanks for being here anyway. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, Great so, to be here. So, David, um, you have, uh, you're sort of known as a, uh, you know, you're showing up at council meetings and talking during the public input, being kind of one of those city hall watchers. Uh, but what what's your real life like? What do you do? When I'm not doing city council stuff, I work as a database administrator, a computer guy at carsforsale.com. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I deal with computers and databases and people and problems and regular issues. How do you end up being a database administrator? It was definitely an evolution. I went to college for engineering applied to optical systems and did some computer programming along the way. And one job shift led to another job shift. And 
pretty soon I was doing something completely different from what I went to college for and ended up with databases because they're difficult and interesting and it's kind of a nexus of various system problems and uh, data, big data. Uh, we all hear those phrases, but that's it's a it's a very uh, interesting thing to do because you're like, and I don't do it, but you're always trying to solve a puzzle, right? Or like debug and 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 solve problems that that aren't immediately known. I do a lot of systems analysis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And what does that mean, do you think? Well, that, that means you've got to look at a system and the inputs and the outputs and the processes and try to figure out why it's not doing what you think it ought to. And I've used that exact same approach for the political arena. I was going to ask you that. How does that apply to uh, government and policy? Government is just one big and, unfortunately, ugly system. It's got inputs, outputs, and motivators. And if you understand some of the hidden connections then it makes a whole lot more sense. So when you go to a city council meeting and you go to a lot of them and you're hearing the discussion, uh, you know, pick an issue, what's going through your head? Well, I'm trying to understand the, the story behind the story. People say one thing, but that's not always their motivation. And I'm trying to figure out what their motivation really is because that really affects tremendously what they're actually doing. And sometimes the surface and What's underneath it are very different. So why did you decide to run for mayor of all things? Why not start? First of all, I say this to a lot of people, you know, uh, you're not, you know, widely known in the, in the community. Why not start with the council seat, something of this nature? I looked at the city council seats and they've got a lot of time, but not a whole lot of power, not a lot of authority and not a whole lot of money. You know, and I've already got one job. I don't need another job, but I can't make it full time. But if you want to, if you if you need if you want to be able to do something, well, then the hot spot is where all the action is, and you have enough time to be able to do it full time because it, it pays a reasonable amount of money. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm going. I want to go where all the action is. So, uh, what do you think? What do you think needs to change broadly in city government? Broadly, city government, just like national government government needs to work for the people. I think that's the fundamental problem with government, state, city, national. It's, it's all not working for the people anymore. We've got a small percentage of rich people who fund elections, and everybody works for them. We've got, um, if you look at the, the youth administration, we've got all these fancy buildings he's putting up for rather secretive purposes or secret motivations. And um, that that really needs to change. What do you when you say secretive mo- motivations? What do you mean? Well, something's got to be going on. If we're looking at the recent parking ramp construction plans, we got a proposal or we got an estimate from Walker Parker professionals that says we can put up this building for ten million dollars. And for some odd reason, the city is putting up a building that's a little smaller in terms of parking spaces for more than twice that. Well, then you got to wonder why. Well, the ten million is a number that's sort of an average number, right? That was specific towards the particular site. You don't think that that site, because of some of the the, the issues with the uh, the ground, the utilities, there's a lot of work prep work on the in the ground that needs to be done before they can build the parking ramp. Do you think the price is just inflated somehow? It's really hard to go from nine million to twenty one twenty one million for a little bit of site work. 
something else has to be going on. But I think part of that is the purpose of the parking ramp. The Walker report said that we needed a parking ramp. But the city's putting up this massive, iconic structure that supports a hotel. And the hotel developers are probably making a lot of money because they've got all these supports in place, this foundation. And that extra foundation for the hotel has got to be costing a whole lot of money. Not the foundation costs for somebody else's profit was not in the Walker report. So you th- are you saying that you think that the parking ramp costs more because you're putting a hotel on top of it? Well, yes, it does. That's do right. you, so you're, are you, that's just a reality though. So if, do you not think that the project in its entirety, in its totality is a good for the city? Well, that's a separate question. I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of things are good for the city, but the question is who should pay for it? If a private developer is putting up this hotel, well, then I think they ought to be paying for the hotel and not getting the city to pay for the parking ramp, which serves as a foundation for the hotel. But the parking ramp is needed, so it's a question of cost. Well, right, but if you're going to put up a parking ramp, you could do one for $10 million instead of $21 million. Mm-hmm. But then you wouldn't have the hotel. I mean, you would you could put a parking ramp on that spot. Oh, sure. Um, and it would just be a parking ramp, right? Sure, but if some developer wants to put in a hotel, well, they should pay for the extra costs for that hotel and not get the city to pay for those. That's the big issue. Who pays for the hotel? whether the hotel costs are all in the hotel or split between the hotel and the parking ramp, structurally, somebody's got to pay for those. And I think the developer ought to, not the city. How do you think that this process, the process was uh, started as an RFP, was awarded to uh, one plan. That fell through for reasons not related to the city necessarily. Um, They came back and they had an RFQ, which is just request for qualifications. Uh, which is basically we want to hear what your ideas are and are you able to do this project. Do you uh, have quarrels with the way it was done? There's too much secrecy in the city's RFQ and RFP process. All the bids are secret. We don't even know who, who the investors are. The cost appraisals are secret. And when everything is secret like that, it can hide some surreptitious deal on the side. And that, that level of secrecy is a real issue. It's a problem. It should not be occurring in government that works for the people. Um, which brings us up the RFP process in general. Um, there's a lot of discussion about it, not just with the, the parking ramp project, but RFPs that have been done for the the. the multi-use facility on 2nd and Phillips that's got residential and retail and everything else in it. Um, do you? How would you make that RFP process more transparent? Publish everything all the time. Do you think that the committee that examines those things should be known beforehand? Because I do think that there's a legitimate concern about uh, lobbying. Not, you know, you take the, like, for instance, the golf course contract is one thing, Okay. But if you've got a project like that, um, who's more susceptible to uh, lobbying for moneyed interest than a city council person who's sitting on that committee or a low-level management person or a mid-level manager? These people seem to be susceptible to the influences of moneyed interest more than uh, than if if it was, you know, quiet. 
there is that risk of pressure from the outside once you start getting things published. But we have that risk now. Um, if somebody makes a campaign contribution or sets up a political action committee, they're certainly providing pressure to get things in their direction. So yeah, there, there's a risk, but I think it's one that you have to take. If you Do you think counselors should be on those panels that evaluate the RFPs? That's all right with me. I mean, they're smart enough people. They've got the public interest at heart. Sure. You don't think that they're susceptible to, to moneyed interests if they find out who the, a city councilor who is, I mean, in some ways, a counselor is more susceptible to influence from the outside than a bureaucrat. The problem that we have with government is that everybody's susceptible to moneyed interests. Really, every step along the way. Um, if you're just a bureaucrat, well, then you're susceptible because when you get out of being a bureaucrat, maybe you're going to get a job at twice the salary. Mm-hmm. If you're a politician, you're susceptible because maybe you're getting a hidden campaign contribution. Every step along the way, you've got this issue. And we really need to have rules in place that prevent it. We're talking with David Zakaitis. He is a candidate for mayor in the April 10 election, which is the first round. And then the second is three weeks later, I believe on May 1st. Uh, he is one of eight candidates. And we're going to come back and talk more with David about what he has uh, thoughts on issues and uh, the running of our city government. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are returning to our conversation with David Zakaitis. He is a candidate for mayor in the April 10 election, one of eight on your Sioux Falls city ballot and then the runoff is May 1st. David, um, you've kind of become known uh, for something you do at council meetings, and uh, when you speak to the council, uh, you often show on the on the big board there uh, uh, a lovely photo that you take. Uh, uh, you know, something peaceful, something calming. Why do you do that? Well, there's a lot of problems in the world, and we should not try to be miserable and unhappy. We've got to try to fix problems, and you might as well enjoy life to the best of your extent, no matter how many problems and issues you have. So to portray that kind of feeling, to get people to enjoy life a little more and to mellow out and not be so stressed out about things, I say, hey, enjoy life, folks. Do the best you can and try to be nice to each other. I, I don't want to call you a hippie, but you have kind of a, you have kind of a look. You know, you've got kind of a laid-back style. Uh, you, you know, you're kind of the hippie candidate for mayor, right? Well, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, do you, what's your reaction from the council when you do that? I mean, it's, it's always fun to see, but what, what do you see from them when you're up there? A lot of times I, I see a lot of, well, this is interesting, but we don't really care kind of faces. Other times I get a few chuckles because I, I do things that are occasionally a little bit funny and, and but a lot of times they just like they, they just don't seem to care. I get a few times where um, some of the council members nod their heads and smile and mm-hmm. say, "Yes, we agree with this man. He's got some good points." Do you uh, do you? There's been discussion about um, whether or not that public comment period should be at the beginning of every meeting like that. What do you think about that? I like it at the beginning because it's important and we want to emphasize it and what the people have to think should be valued by our city government. Unfortunately, that's not really the case. City council meetings in general are more 
ceremony than anything else. If you look at the evidence presented by uh, the public, a lot of times that's completely ignored and the city votes a whole different direction without even explaining why. So that tells me that city council meetings in general are more ceremonial and less actual. I'd like to know where the decisions are really made, but they don't seem to be made at council meetings. How would you change that? That's a really hard question. I think if the mayor and the administration was more open and more willing to present information to the councilors, they'd know more what was going on. And when um, council votes against public input, you know, if there's 100 people walking up and saying one thing and council votes the other way, council should really tell us all why they're voting the other direction. And I also think it would help if public input was allowed for the first reading in addition to the second reading. That would give everybody time to digest what the public has to say, and then maybe public input would have more value. Mm -hmm. We're here with David Zakaitis. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April election. Uh, transportation, let's start there. It's one of my favorite topics. How do we improve the transportation system in the city of Sioux Falls? we got a variety of problems. Um, I think if we did a little more preventive maintenance early in the road construction and deconstruction stop, um, cycle, we'd be better off. If, when, when roads are first built, you know, they're beautiful, and then the concrete cracks a little bit along the edges, and then they rip up the pat cracked parts and replace that part. Well, if you were a little more, if you were a little better about repairing those cracks before they spread, I think we'd have less problems overall. What about mass transit? Roads are just one part of the deal. Mass transit is a real issue because people don't use it very much, and then it's very expensive, and then it's heavily subsidized. So, like, um, for every $1 that riders put in, the city puts in about 10 And making it worse is that— How much of that is par para? Para? Paratransit. Not really sure. I think par paratransit, the per-rider cost is much higher than— the fixed routes. But, oh, far greater, but yeah. the whole system is heavily subsidized. Mm -hmm. Is that bad? Um, not necessarily. Don't you need mass transit? We do. What about alternative transportation? How do you, we can't necessarily, I've had, you know, planners sitting right there saying, you know, growth doesn't pay for itself. Just building more roads, more roads, more roads won't solve our problems. How do we, how do we look forward to solving, having a, a multimodal transportation system that serves us with 250,000 people rather than the 180 we have now. I love the bike trail. I, I ride it every, every summer, every Sunday in the summer with mm -hmm. my two daughters. Yeah. And if we could get more bike trails, that would help to reduce some of the need for road transportation. I see people out in the wintertime riding their bikes and good for them. Yeah. Um, so you don't, do you see changes needed in the bus system, the mass transit system? It'd be really nice if we could extend it. Longer routes, more routes. Okay. Um, a big issue for the city is crime and uh, people talking about it. Do you think we have a crime problem? Everybody always thinks we have a crime problem. Even if crime is following national downward trends, people don't like it. I mean, if you hear one person from one friend from a friend from a friend who's, who's getting a robbery, well, that's too much crime, even if it's not very much crime. It's true. I mean, one crime is one too many, right? Because that's somebody right. has violated somebody else's rights. Uh, but what 
do you think that, do you feel safe in the city? Mostly, yeah. Are there places you won't go? No, I, I'll go anywhere. I visited some low-rent districts a little while ago with a friend of mine just to see what they were like. And yeah, what did you learn? They need some work. In terms of the housing stock or what? The the Yes, we visited a, a rental apartment building that had some damage done to it, and it looked like a real mess. But the friend of mine, Sierra, um, she's a regular council member. Not not council member, but she's a regular public speaker at city yep. council. She said that she was able to make quite a few improvements working with the city and the property owner. It's good I, to see that. I kind think of that thing I on. think that does happen. But oh, yeah. how do you think that that uh, translates to crime, and what does it mean for us? Do you think that there is a correlation between bad housing and crime? When a place doesn't look very good, then people have low self-esteem, and then they act it out and make a mess elsewhere. So one of the big problems we hear about in terms of crime, when you talk to law enforcement or pretty much anybody else, is that it's really there's a lot of meth-related crime right now. What are your thoughts? Do you think that's the core issue, or how do you, and how do you what do you do about uh, the growing meth problem? I think the number of arrests, have, like. Uh, went from 2,000 to 3,000 in a year in the previous year. It's a lot. It's a big jump. What do we do about that? Drug addiction is a huge problem in this country. And the war on drugs turns out to be an even bigger problem than drug addiction in and of itself. I think if we could cancel the war on drugs and replace it with a, a intensive treatment, we'd have a lot less crime in the process. Hmm. We're going to come right back and talk more with David Zakaitis. He is a candidate for mayor in the April 10 election. We'll be right back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 456 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We are continuing our conversation with mayoral candidate Z- David Zakaitis. David, uh, where, where are you from? Did you grow up here? Where'd you grow up? No, I grew up here. Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, how did you end up here? Well, I went to college in Rochester, New York for um, engineering applied to optical systems. And then I needed a job. Well, Eros was looking for somebody with my kind of skill, so I ended up there. Cool. And so when did you move out here? 1987. Oh. 88. Yeah. It's been like 25 years here. I had a five-year hiatus in the Twin Cities. Oh, well, we're glad you're back. Thanks. It's, you can't live up there. That's just those people. <laughs> it's a wonderful place, the Twin Cities. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, poverty and segregation. One of the things that I talk about on this program a lot is um, the, the, when you look at the elementary schools, and this isn't about the education system, it's about the data that we see. So you've got schools in the core of the city that are um, you know, nearly 100% free and reduced lunch qualified, which means they're living in poverty. Uh, you've got schools that are in the teens, which means you know, 80% of the kids that go to school there are above the poverty line. Uh, and then you've got uh, racial and ethnic, uh, basically de facto segregation going on in the city. Do you see that as a problem, and what do you do about it? There is a whole web of social ills that exist in this country and other places too. You've got poverty, crime, addiction, incarceration, and and a cycle of incarceration. And if you can make 
a big dent in any one of these areas, well, then you can make a dent in the whole network. So um, if we can help to raise people out of poverty with um, better education and, and better programs, well, then we can reduce addiction and reduce incarceration. I was at a presentation at the Lutheran Social Services here in town, and they've got this marvelous program for dealing with refugees. They give them a caseworker, they get them some education and some classes, and try to get them job placement. And I said, well, you know, we should take this kind of program and direct it towards the people that we already have here. Give them caseworkers and give them better education employment and better up employment opportunities. And then we'll have less of this other social problems that we're trying to get rid of. Do you think that the balkanization of the city, meaning the concentration of poverty in certain parts, is something the mayor can actually do something about? If we can change the main focus of government, well, then sure. But um, the focus of the current government seems to be building stuff. And if we take some of those inefficiently utilized funds and direct them to the kind of programs that I just mentioned a little while ago, well, then you won't have poor people. You won't have so many poor people. And the poor people that you have will be able to rise up and move wherever. And yeah, the mayor can. Along with, along if he works with city council and directs government efficiently and effectively. You mentioned uh, misdirected funds, and which brings up the budget and sales tax revenue is pretty flat. It's growing a little bit. It's pretty flat. Um, that means there's not as much money to do what you want to do. Where do you take money from uh, in the current system to fund some, you know, whether they're case managers or whatever innovative program you may come up with to help people? How do you do that? Where does it come from? That is always a challenge. And if you look at my campaign flyer, I haven't promised the world to everybody because I don't want to make a lot of promises that we don't have money for. Now, I talked before about trying to downscale this horrible war, war on drugs. And if we can do that, well, then we'll save a lot of money because it costs 100 bucks a day to put some guy in jail for a drug addiction when you could spend less than that and put him in treatment. So there's one way to spend some money. One way to not spend some money is so you can't spend some money. And then we've got all these prisoners who are probably not employed very well at all in the prison. And if you can give them some job skills and get them out and working on things, well, then you could save money and say car and road repairs because you've got ex-cons or current convicts getting some career skills and out there helping you fix the city. What should we do about the siding on the... Uh premier center it's leave it just wait and see what happens we know essentially now what the problem is right somebody some we don't know who but we know somebody made the decision to put those on there when they shouldn't have and they're up it's fine should we take it all down what somebody made a terrible mistake by saying yeah it's okay to put flat siding on a curved building not a good plan i hear that there's problems with thermal expansion and contraction and the stuff is gradually were or not anyway. It's, I think the best thing to do would be to contact the original builder on the place and say, hey, you screwed up. I don't know why. I'm not sure who said this was okay, but that siding needs to come down and it should all be replaced and it should be done right. Um, which we settled, you know, we settled secretly and had to sue to find out what was in the settlement. Did we 
just make a bad deal on the say, settlement, do you think? If that settlement was done in secret, and it probably was done with some secret deal on the side. I kind of hate to say that kind of thing live, but that's the best explanation. And then they only gave us 500 grand back for, what is it, a $10 million problem? I'm just throwing out some numbers. Right, it's more than 500 grand. Yeah, whatever it's going to cost us to fix it is going to be more than 500 grand. Well, but the settlement was for 500 grand. Yeah, well, it was a million. Don't you remember that? But half of that was the city's. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but that's exactly right. What I'm saying is that we got this $500,000. Well, to fix it is going to cost us much more than that. Oh, far more. So you don't think it was a good deal? Is that what I'm saying? I think hearing? it was a corrupt deal, probably. We just don't know the answer? We just don't know who made that corrupt deal. That's right. Because we don't know who made the decision. Ultimately, what comes down to here is that we still don't know who made the decision to put the stuff on there when it clearly wasn't going to work. And we don't know who made the decision that five hundred grand to fix it. We don't know who made that deal either. Because we hired somebody to negotiate that for us, right? Didn't we hire lawyers to negotiate the deal? I, I think, don't know. We paid $100,000 to have some law firm negotiate the thing for us to get 500000 so we only really got four hundred thousand. It's all very suspicious. I, that hundred thousand dollar number is is an approximation. I don't remember what the actual amount was, but it was a, it was a, a significant amount of money. It's very odd. And then you do it in secret, and it's not a good deal, right? It looks suspicious. All, all these secret deals look very suspicious. In the short time we have left, we got about a minute. Tell me what you would do to improve the over, speaking of suspicious and secret deals and all these things that have happened. How do you improve the general transparency of government in the city of Sioux Falls? Publish everything all the time. It's not that hard to figure out. If you need a request for proposal, you publish the proposal. And proposals come back, publish them. And everybody gets all the information all the time. You don't hide anything. There's no need to. What are people so afraid of? Maybe there's too many secret motivators. So maybe somebody's given somebody a campaign contribution that we don't know about. Maybe somebody's friend of somebody's friends is making a deal to hire this guy at twice his salary when his term is done. Yeah, you just don't know, right? Because there's tra when there's no transparency, you don't know the answers. You end you're left to speculate, as you've done right here. That is correct, and I don't like doing that. David Zakaitis, uh, if people want to uh, find out more about you, where can you've got a campaign flyer, but is this online somewhere? Can I find it? How, what do I do here? Oh, yeah, i got a website there. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry, I just saw it. DavidZForMayor.org. DavidZForMayor. That way you're not making people spell Zakaitis. <laughs> it's too hard. Z-O-K-A-I-T-E-S. What's the derivation of that? It's Lithuanian. Lithuanian, right yeah. on. Uh, yeah, go to DavidZForMayor.org and read about it and look at some of the council presentations. I've got a YouTube channel that my daughter made for me a couple of days ago. And send me email and we'll talk about it. Awesome. David yeah. Zakaitis, he is a candidate for mayor in the April 10 election. David, thank you very much for being here. Oh, a delight, Pat. We'll be right Pat. back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Coming up on January twenty-seventh. That's a Saturday. Remember Sioux Empire on tap at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over hundred craft beers from more than sixty breweries. Two general admission sessions. Two general admission sessions to choose from, or a VIP session. 
There'll be live music, games, and food available for purchase. Get your tickets now. SueEmpireOnTap.com. Coming up on Monday, Monday, Bobby Tibbetts of the Sanford Foundation's Ava House will be with us, and the Boone Man will be back for Weird Friends, probably discussing fire and firearms. That's the way that usually goes. And maybe my voice will be back. We can only hope. This has been the Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody have a fantastic weekend.